what is love? People want to know what love is. And for several weeks now, weeks now, we have been considering tests of a true faith. And today we're going to talk about what is true love. Over the last several weeks, we've been talking about, like, what are the tests of a real faith? What are the marks of a real Christian? Uh, John has written in length about the doctrinal test, like what we should believe. He's also written about the ethnical test, like how we should live, right? Tim did a great job last week uh, talking about how we should live, asking the theologically profound question, what was it? Who's your daddy, right? Who is your daddy? When God is your father, you should bear some of the family resemblances by the way you live. But if you know anything about the Apostle John, you know that sooner or later we have to come around to the fact uh, of the relational test. Who are we to love and, and how do we truly love one another? After all, John is the one who quoted Jesus saying, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people, keyword, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. These are, these are I got to take this off because your head is big, bro. Wow, yeah, I thought I had the biggest brain in here, but no. Chris wins. Uh, it's all shifting around. Um, but if you know John, he is, this, he is known as the apostle of love. His love is at the center of why he writes uh, the gospel of John. And John, uh, 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. In fact, the ancient tradition says that John, when he was an old man, the elders of Ephesus, the, the church that he pastored, used to carry him into the assembly to, and sit him down to teach and, they would, and then John would simply say, dear children, dear children, let us love one another. And that's how he started every one of his teachings. Let us love one another. So it's no surprise that we're talking about love this morning. I'm sure we'd all agree that love is essential for us to, uh, in, in 2020 to take our faith deeper, closer, and wider, isn't it? That love is, should be at the center of, of what, why we even want to do that. This is our vision for 2020 in this church. Tim alluded to it this morning, that we're challenging you to grow deeper in your knowledge of God and His Word. We're asking you to go deeper in prayer, deeper in your dependence upon the Holy Spirit. What a wonderful song leading us into this, in, into this message this morning. That the God from above actually resides in us and we need it, and His power is manifested in us. How much are we calling upon and relying upon the Holy Spirit to give us the power to love one another well? That will help us grow closer together as, as a congregation, as a, as a church, strengthening our relationships in this church. And then we want to reach wider to extend the, the love and the truth about Jesus to those who God has placed in our lives that don't know him. People desperately need to, to, to feel and see. They, they desperately, whether they're asking for it or not, whether they're singing the song, I want to know what love is, they, they truly desperately need to know the love of Jesus Christ. And that's going to be found in and through his people. So what is love? We're going to answer that question today. Why is it important? And what does it look like in the life of the Christian? Those are the three questions we're going to handle today. John introduces us to the subject of love first in chapter 2 when he writes this. He says, anyone who claims to be in the light 
but hates his brother is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother lives in the light, and there is nothing in him to make him stumble. Really strong words here. Like John uses really strong words like love and hate. Lightness and dark. In our opening scripture that Rhonda uh, spoke this morning, he, he says he equates the absence of love for one another as, mur- as murder and, and, and evil. He uses that. If you, if, you, if you hate your brother, you've murdered him, Jesus would say, in your heart. Why such strong language? I believe it's because that there were some serious problems in the church of Ephesus that he was pastoring, and so he writes this letter to do some course correction. Remember, John was writing his church. And as it turns out, there were some real relational issues in the church. Thank God that we live in a day and age where we, and in a church that we have no relational issues. That there's no problems in this church. We just love this church. There's no problems, right? Not so much. We don't know the details of, of why, uh, uh, what was really going on, but it appears that it had begun because of the doctrinal disagreement about the person and the work of Jesus Christ. But as it so often happens, doctrinal disputes lead to other things like infighting, power struggles, factions, and the like. It's hard to imagine that brothers and sisters in Christ are hating each other. But this is what, this is what John is saying. And if you've been in church long enough, you've actually experienced this. Where there's actual hatred and anger fueled with whatever. But it's hard to believe that this is part of the church. But it must have been super serious because John is using this strong language like light and darkness, love, hate, evil, murder. It's equally disappointing that, that it's disappointing that this church is so young, is having so much problems with the apostle of love as their pastor. Can you imagine? This man walked with Jesus. And, and, and everything he says is like rooted and grounded in the love of God. And yet there's still serious problems in the church. It's equally disappointing to realize that 2,000 years later, the church is still struggling with love and unity. We hosted a um, unity and diversity conference here last year uh, uh, at, at, at the church. And we hosted it for our denomination. And this was the, 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 one of the main themes that they talked about. It's still happening in our culture today. In South Africa, the legacy of apartheid. If you don't know about apartheid, look it up. It is absolutely, oh, it's the nastiest thing you've ever even seen. And, and even still today, the effects of that society, the effects of the apartheid, uh, the, the society is still quite segregated from black and white. In other parts of, of African nations, the divisions are not racial, but they're tribal. And if you're not part of this tribe, then, then you're not trusted. And, and people won't associate with that tribe because you've got to watch out for that tribe. And yet they claim Christ, that they're Christians. In India, there, there seems to be, there there's still continues to be this struggle against classism. Like upper class Christians do not associate with lower class citizens. And in Latin America, there's major tension between the Pentecostal charismatic movement church and other church uh, movements. And then you got right here in, in, in America where we fight over worship styles and uh, ministry strategies and the color of the carpet and whether your pastor should preach in a hat. <laughs> I'm going to get an email for that. <laughs> 
I, I promise you, right? Because we fight over some silly stuff and sometimes even trivial stuff in the church that, that, that gets in the way of loving one another and the unity that God has called us to. And yet, are we really fighting about how much we're loving people? Or, or is that the, the heart, is that the foundational argument in the church? Is that how are we really loving each other? Or is church about our own comforts and our own desires, and yet we're not doing anything to advance the gospel of God's love in our own community? And that's not motivating our, our fight. Like John is writing to a church here that, that their unity and their love was threatened, was threatened, and he's going, no, you know what? This is just as bad as murder. Stop. If you don't get your love right, the color of your carpet don't matter. If you don't get your love right, the worship music don't matter. Nobody's going to come. Why would we even worship if y'all can't love each other? The part of our vision, that, uh, part of our vision is, the, 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 Chris even said it, it's just providential, thank God, that to love God and love one another. If someone was to ask you, how are we doing relationally here at Encounter, how would you answer on one hand, I think there, there's a lot to be excited about. We're a pretty diverse community of people who, and, and, and we've come to accept those differences and, and we've enjoyed that unity. Overall, the feeling's warm in the congregation. I think, I think the, you guys are friendly people. Every new visitor comes here and says, man, I just feel welcome. There's no one that has ever visited our church that says, I don't feel welcome here. It's a beautiful thing. Many of you are in community group where you're being loved and cared for and discipled. Growing closer to your in your faith in Jesus and on a certain level I can I can think that we can safely say that encounter church is a loving church. Would you agree? But if we're honest those who have been there that that has, has been here before me That wasn't always in this church's story was it? And because this is how easily uh, Sin and disunity and a lack of love can creep in and become to and, and and become a big problem in our church. So I got to ask the question: How deep is your love? And I won't sing that song. <laughs> how deep is our love really here? Are you satisfied with the levels of intimacy, care, and prayer that we experience here together at Encounter? Are, are we able to have hard conversations with each other that that helps us grow and and, and stretch our faith? Do we love each other only when it's convenient or do we truly make sacrifices for one another? Is our love the kind of love that, that the world stands up and takes notice of? I'm so proud of, 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 of Milt Gilman, man. Like February 6th, the city stood up and took notice of a man who has sacrificed 30 years of his life to love in a community. And here we are, bravo. Is this what we're doing here? Is this the kind of love that, that people are? Is your love characterized by that? That people will stand up and take notice of? You can get the sense that John isn't talking about polite smiles and friendly handshakes on a Sunday morning. Would you agree? That's part of it. But it's more. 
It's sacrificial. He's calling us to a deeper love. We begin today by quoting the foreigner song. The lyrics say, I want to know what love is. I want to feel what love is. People really, truly need this. They want to know what truly love is. It's not superficial. It's not shallow. It won't last. It's got to be deep. It's got to be something that they can feel and experience and touch. So what exactly is love? Let's look at uh, 1 John 3. It says this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid his life down for us. And we ought to lay our lives down for our brothers and sisters. So we provided you sermon notes. And if you're following along, the first thing I want you to write down is this. Love is far more than something we feel or something we say. Love is an action. It is something that we do. It is something that we do. Jesus, uh, John says that Jesus lays his life down as a demonstration to show us what truly love is. John tells us again when he comes back to the topic in chapter 4, he says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent us, he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. That Jesus becomes the example that we now live through. He sent his son into the world that we might live through his example. And so if answer, we're going to start trying to answer this question, so far we, we can say that love is this, that love is the giving, got that? The giving of yourself. We have already determined that love is fundamentally something that we do. The fundamental thing that we do is not just giving anything. It's giving something personal and precious. It's giving of yourself. After all, Jesus, God gave his son, right? Are you with me? Jesus gave his life. Consider this for a minute. If you see a, a homeless person on the street and you give him five bucks, that's an act of kindness, but you can hardly say that that is love. But if you actually invited that homeless person into your home, you cleaned him up, you gave him a place to say, stay, you found him a job, you got him everything he needs to sustain himself, to get himself back on his feet. Now you're talking about love. Because now you have given something way more of yourself. It has become a sacrifice. You haven't just given five bucks. You've opened up your home. You've taken a risk. You've sacrificed in, by investing your time, money, and possessions. You've given something significant. Like you've given 30 years of your life to a community. You've given something significant. You gave yourself. Love is also not, not, not giving yourself indiscriminately. Just to like prove a point like, or do something admirable. I, I, would, I would gather if, if Milk came up here and started testifying how awesome and admirable his, all that time was, he'd probably tell you different. Kids are difficult. Kids are difficult. And putting 80 of them in a bus makes it 80 times more difficult. And so I don't think he was trying to do this to prove that he's some admirable person. No, it was a sacrifice. Would you agree? Yes. Jesus didn't lay his life down just to prove how devoted he was either. Milt's not getting in that bus every Sunday so that you can give him accolades. Or so that at the end of the 30-year uh, service, he can go get a Bravo Award. That's not why he did it. He did it because he loved this community. He did it because he loves Jesus. He did it because he loves this church. 
Jesus laid his life down for us to pay for our sins so that we can be forgiven. God didn't send his son just to get our attention. Rather, he sent his son on a rescue mission for you and I. For others. And why? He wanted to demonstrate what true love was. It was a sacrifice. Let's look more closely at John's letter. It says this, By, by this we know love. That he laid his life down for us and that we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers and sisters. If we bring that homeless person home just to relieve our guilt or to uh, show how compassionate we are or, or just to make life more interesting, that's not love. Because love, true love, isn't about you. It's about others. It's about doing something for others, for the good of them, not for the good of you. So we can say that John defines love as this. Like, like we're getting a little closer. Love is giving of yourself for the good of others. Would that be a good definition? We're getting closer, I think. I think we're getting a little closer, but, but I think there's more to John's definition of love. And if we stop, we risk uh, truncating God's love. Simply giving yourself for the good of others isn't quite strong enough. I w- would you agree? It's not distinctly Christian. Look at John, uh, 1 John 4.10 and look at this. This is love, not that, we, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Key phrase that we're going to make a point on here. And he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for sins. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. You know, the remarkable thing about the love of God is that he extends it to people who are not interested in it. Who would actually rebel against him. Who doesn't even want his love. That this is how God demonstrates his love. Like Adam and Eve, every human being has turned their back on God. Every one of you, whether you realize it or not. We have chosen to do our own thing and live life our own way. The Bible says this. If you don't believe me, listen to God's word. There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who what? Seeks God. All have turned away. And like Adam and Eve, we did the same thing. But the good thing is we didn't go looking. The the, the bad thing is that we didn't go looking for God, but God came looking for us. That's the good news. And then when he found us, he laid his life down for us. And, we, and he did that while we were still in an act of rebellion and sin, not even seeking him. You had nothing to do with your salvation. We know that to be true here. We talk about that a lot, that God gave you the faith to come to him. God sought you out. When Adam and Eve rebelled and, and they disobeyed God's command, they ran. But God pursued Adam and Eve. God pursued you. So here's a more complete definition uh, to the true love according to John. This, and I, it'll be kind of challenging. Love is the giving of yourself for the good of others, even for those who, with whom you have differences with. Now, to say that we had differences with God is to put it mildly. Would you agree? Like we've transgressed a holy God. And, and that uh, had eternal consequences. If we, had, we, had, not, had God not pursued us and saved us, we would, have, we would have had to spend an eternity in hell paying for our rebellion. 
But I want to use this definition because it works practically in the situation in which we're likely to find ourselves in. And the point is this. We don't get to choose the people we love. We don't get to choose the people we love. Uh, uh, we, we're, not, we're not called to love only those people who like us or are like us or who agree with us or who ask us to love them. We're called to love those who are different than us, who disagree with us, and even those who are actively against us. In our opening scriptures, it says, it says that don't be surprised that the world's going to hate you because of who you are. Because you actually love people who are unlovable. Don't be surprised about those people that, that aren't going to love you back. I'm calling you, brothers and sisters, to love. Because God loved you. I want you to love like Jesus did. When you were in active rebellion, when you were uh, uh, living in your own terms and doing your own thing, God pursued you. I want you to pursue people like he did that. And I want you to love people without any condition or without anything attached, without expecting to be loved back. This is the love of Christ. A pastor from Oxford named uh, Vaughn Roberts, he put it this way. He says, when you love people who are like you, that's ordinary. When you love people who are unlike you, that's extraordinary. When you love people who dislike you, that's revolutionary. That's Jesus' love. Jesus came and he was rejected by all of them. Even his disciples would depart and, and go in different ways. When, when it came down, when the heat really got turned up in Jesus' life and, and, now, and he was going to get persecuted, and, die, and, and sentenced to death on a cross, where did his disciples go? Whew, did their own thing. Jesus' love was revolutionary because he did it anyway. He did it when we were all in active rebellion. He did it when we were all worried and, and afraid. He did it, uh, no conditions attached, as a demonstration of what truly love is. It was sacrificial. The second question is, why is love important? Uh, we, we can understand why uh, John makes such a big deal about truth and about righteousness. Certainly a Christian needs to believe the right things and to behave the right way. But it is also uh, essential to know why love is so important. John answers this question in chapter 4. He says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Notice he doesn't say that, that love is God as if we, who we believe in doesn't really matter as long as we love. Uh, this has been um, uh, after Kobe's death. Uh, um, I, I think Tim, the fan here, is going to write on it. He's already started writing a little bit on this. And so I'm going to wait until uh, uh, Tim really puts this publication out. It'll be on our blog site. Um, fantastic job. He's already got started on this. But when, Kobe's, um, when, Co when Kobe died last week and then uh, you're watching the Grammys, they're all like, hey, just love, 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 love. All we need is love, 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 love. But what do they really mean? When, when, when people, uh, when they would do, like, I think they did interviews way too soon with a lot of people, right? Because everybody was so emotional. And all that they were saying is, I just want to go hug my family. I just want to go love on my family. I just want to, I just want to, and, and, but see that, that, that state just brings people right down to the most important thing. And that's each other. 
That's that relational. It's about really loving each other. It's about caring for one another. It's about people not taking uh, every single day for granted that we have with one another. It's not that, that the love is God as if believing that it doesn't matter who we love. It, it doesn't say God is loving as if it's some type of one of his attributes that he has, many attributes that he has. John says God is love. It's interesting, like the very essence of his nature is love. Write this down in your notes, number three. Every aspect of God, his wisdom, his justice, his mercy, and his goodness is ultimately an expression, there's your word, of love. When I examined in our denomination to become a pastor, I was asked, how can hell and judgment be a good thing from a loving God? And I said, you know, well, it kind of stumped me for a minute, but as I started thinking about it, I'm like, uh, what just God would let evildoers go away? What just God would let murderers and rapists and, 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 and liars and thieves just get away scot-free? He wouldn't be good. If you, if, if you went in front of a judge, if somebody robbed you and a judge said, uh, well, we're just going to pass by this and let him go, you'd go, that is not a good judge. And what loving God, and the second thing I answered was, what loving God would not pro provide a way to protect his children from evildoers. Ultimately, protect his children from evildoers. And I guess I'm right. I'm your pastor today, so... Um, <laughs> <laughs> they didn't knock me. <clears throat> but the point is that every aspect of God, his wisdom, his justice, his mercy, his goodness, even his discipline, even his judgment, even the fact that hell is, is a, a real uh, place, is ultimately expression of his love. Because he's just and he will protect his kids. And I love that. His discipline is an, is an expression of his love. Who, who, who of you do not discipline your children? And why do you discipline your children? Because you hate them? Because you want to put power over them? Some evil parents do. But good parents do that because they love their kids. So if you, uh, every aspect is ultimately an expression of, of, God, uh, of, of, of God's love because he is love. And so if you've placed your faith in Jesus and if you've been born again into the family of God, if God is your daddy, then you can't help but love because it's in the genes. You now have the Holy Spirit living in you. And you can't help but love. It's who you are. And who you are determines what you do. And when we love like Christ, we make God known to each other and the people around us. When we love sacrificially. People want to know what really love is. But I believe that our world is lacking this kind of love. More, listen to what Jesus says. Love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. Just as I have loved you is the key verse there. And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. That's what he said. Do people know that, that, he is, that you are Jesus, a disciple of Jesus because of the way you love one another? And do you love like Christ loves? Sacrificially. No handshakes and, and uh, over-spiritualized conversation. How are you, brother? I'm blessed. Well, how are you living out that statement, what you just said? Are you blessed to be a blessing? Would people actually say that that is, what, that is who you are? 
that person is blessed. And you don't have to say it. It's because you're living it. Because you're living sacrificial love. That you're loving like Christ loved. And by this, they know that you're his disciple. That man, that woman, that child is a disciple of Jesus. How do I know that? Because he acts a lot, and she acts like a lot like Jesus. She gives herself away. He gives himself away sacrificially. In the world we live in today, we cannot argue people into the kingdom of God. The only way that we can show them who the king is is by the way we love and sacrifice for others. That is what's going to make the difference. We have to show them. Write this down in your notes, number four. When we give ourselves for the good of others, even for those whom we have differences, we show uh, people what love is and what God is like. We show people what love is and what God is like. The third question is, what does it look like in our everyday life? What does it look like for a Christian to love like this? Look at verse 17. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love in words or speech, but with actions and truth. Somebody say amen. Love is practical. It is an action. It is, it is something that we do. It's a verb. It's not a one-time thing. It's a giving of ourselves every single day. Um, it's doing for people what, uh, uh, ordinary things. That, uh, doing, doing for people that God has placed in your life ordinary things. He uses like these materials. If, if somebody's in need, you don't have pity on them. It's you in the home. How are you loving your spouse? Are you putting her needs or his needs before your own? Or is your day characterized by your wants and your desires all the time? I'm telling you, a shallow, selfish, uh, uh, motivated husband is not going to be a very fruitful, and the marriage will not be a very fruitful place. You show me a marriage that is healthy, I'll show you a, a, a husband and a wife who is putting their needs on uh, 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 their, their spouse's needs above their own. What about your kids? How are you loving your kids? Would your kids say that you do that, that you put their needs over yours? As soon as you decided to have a kid, that's what you decided, whether you realize it or not. What about at work? How are you loving and serving the people that you work for and work with? Would they know that you are a Christian by your love for them? Are you going the extra mile, as we talked about several weeks ago, uh, to, to make sure that they, they, they know who you are and that you're sacrificing for them? At the church, how are you loving the people in the church? You know, I've been doing this for quite a long time, and nobody has left the church because they've been overloved. Man, why aren't you going to church anymore? Man, they just love me too much. Man, they just poured it on me all the time. Like, I, I just couldn't get enough. I just had too much love. Nobody has ever said that, ever. Like Priuses are cool. Nobody has ever said that. Nobody. I'm sorry. I saw the bumper sticker the other day. Who showed me that bumper sticker? That's your fault. All right. No. But look, look. The idea is that nobody has ever said left the church because they've been loved too much. Because people have sacrificed and loved one another. Beyond the practical choices that we can uh, make to show love, uh, there are mindsets that we can have in the church that will affect all of our interactions with one another 
and with the people around us that will show the world that, that, that what the love of Christ really looks like. Write this down in your notes. Number five. Got one more after this. We can show the world that we, uh, what, what love really looks like when we honor and respect one another. When we honor and respect one another. Honor and respect is not something that I would characterize America today. Would you agree? At all. The, Romans in, uh, the Bible says this in Romans and in 1 Peter. Honor one another above yourselves. Show proper respect to everyone. Everyone. That's our responsibility. That we're to show honor ab uh, above ourselves and to show proper respect to everyone. Now, there's two particular arenas in which we can, uh, where, honor, where we can show respect and honor. The first arena is in the political arena. The second is in the, is in the congregational life of the church. Let's talk about the political arena first. We're going there. Right? It's crazy, okay? Like many of you have said, I'm not even going to turn my television on because I'm tired of it. I'm tired of hearing it. It is gnarly. It is nasty. Uh, this election year, man, it's like the tactic is to tear people apart. And that seems to win elections, doesn't it? It's just, it, uh, I'm tired, I, I think we're all tired of the negativity, the smear tactics, the slanderous accusations, the inflammatory sound bites, uh, this, the, this new system is polarized, this new system says this is good, this new system says it's bad. Who knows? Like, what is going on? It seems like this is happening all the time. Wouldn't it be wonderful if the church can show the world a better way to talk about politics? A way that characterizes respect even for those whom we have differences with. A way that characterizes honor uh, with those who even hold office even if we're opposed to them in everything. I'm troubled by the inability of Christian people to have thoughtful, respectful dialogue uh, with each other when it comes to political issues. I would encourage you to do this. Before you uh, forward that email, or post that comment. Ask yourself, is this going to be honorable and respectful? Is this going to be hurtful or helpful? We can change the narrative. We are called to change the narrative. The Bible says be honorable and respectful. Be honorable, but you know, consider everybody else more than yourselves. It's interesting. The way we talk, like if I talk to you the way that, that Christians are talking about politics and politicians today, you'd all fire me. But for some reason, it's okay that in this arena, in this political arena, if we don't agree with a candidate or a cause, we can just say whatever we want. Like it's a free-for-all. No, you are obligated. God says you will give an account for every word you say. We can change the narrative. We can show the world a better way. We can actually have honest and good dialogue and still disagree. We can. And I'm not telling anybody to not be politically uh, active. I want you to be politically active. Use your faith to, to guide you in all that, in, in voting this year. Use your faith in, 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 yeah, just use your faith to help you vote this year. And I'm not telling everybody to be one way or the other way. I think I, lo I love the diversity because it challenges even the way I think. And I think we need to be challenged in this country. Because we're so polarized on each side. We need to, to listen to one another. 
and have good, loving, honest, honorable, respectful dialogue. Maybe you'll learn something. Maybe I'll learn something. When we can sit across from someone, whether they're on the right or on the left, and we can love them and honor them and respect them. Imagine what would happen. Imagine how that would change our world. We need to challenge and stretch one another's perspectives. We can also honor and respect one another in the congregational life of our church. As members of this body, let us honor the work and the wisdom of the leaders. They've invested so much time in prayer and planning in this church. And, and so we want the, the, the members of this church to, to, to fall in line and fall in step with that. In respect of all the time. You, do you, I mean, like there's a little bit of staff and a whole lot of leaders in this church. And they give so much of their time. And we dialogue about things. Deep, deep, deep conversations. And we come to, through deep prayer, to come to decisions, to, to do the things that we do here. And we want you to honor that. We want you to respect that. As, as leaders, our aim is to honor your perspective and your contributions as members, too. Here's the thing. I want to suggest. Are we erring on the side of the good of each other? <laughs> or are we pitting ourselves against each other? The enemy would love to get in here and kill, steal, and destroy. Let's show the, better, a, the world a better way and, and let our aim be that. The Bible says this. It says each one should... Uh, I'm sorry. I am way off. <sighs> Abandoned my notes about a minute ago. But yeah, like, let's think of ourselves, let's think of others over ourselves. Let's, let's consider the good about uh, uh, one another. Let's show the world a better way by believing the best about each other. The second and practical way we can love one another is to serve one another. First Peter says this, it says, Each one should use whatever gift he has, or she has, received to serve others. Write this down in your notes. Number six, last one. Everybody say, amen. I know you got food cooking. Kansas City's going to whoop the 49ers. Oh, wait, 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 wait. We're loving one another. I'm sorry. I just became active. Wow. Unity. Unity. Forgive me. Forgive me. It must be the influence. I... Oh, yes, it's rubbing off on me. If loving is giving of ourselves for the good of others, then love means serving one another by giving our time, our talent, our energy to and for one another. Would you agree? When a children's ministry volunteer sits down with a group of your kids and helps them understand a Bible story, it's an act of love. When the ushers and greeters welcome you and, and point you to where the coffee is and, and point you to a seat, it's an act of love. When our volunteers come on a Wednesday night to serve kids that, uh, that they're not even part of this real community, it's an act of love. When you give of your time and talents and possessions, it is an act of love. These brothers and sisters are giving uh, uh, to bless you, to bless others. The question is, where are you serving where are you serving? In what ways are you giving yourselves to the brothers and sisters of this church? 
If you want to go deeper in your faith, if you want to grow closer to this community, you have to engage in the community. The best way you can do that is, is to find some place where you can serve and make a contribution. We need you. This is the body of Christ, the, the Bible would say. And when the foot is not working, we're walking with a limp. When the hand is not doing what, what it's called to do, we're trying to do everything one-handed, we're just going to get tired. Does that make sense? This is part of the reason why we want every person to fill out that, that commitment card. To really uh, contemplate what we're, we're asking you to do in 2020 and, and go deeper, closer, and wider in 2020. Deeper in our knowledge of God's Word, deeper in prayer, deeper in our dependence of the Holy Spirit, deeper into Christ-likeness, closer to one another as we strengthen our relationships in this church through real sacrificial love and service to one another. And then reach wider to extend that love, sacrificial love, and the truth of Christ to our neighbors who desperately, desperately, desperately want to know what love is. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, God, for Jesus. We thank you for his example. We thank you for your example, Lord, of how you demonstrated your love for us. Yet while we were still sinners, you sent Christ to die for us. Lord, let that be the measure uh, of true love for us. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fill our hearts and empower us to love others like you loved us. Jesus, it is your love that is going to have an impact on the world. And you have chosen us to demonstrate that to people who, who are different than us, who don't even like us. God, would you bless this church? Would you fill them with your spirit? Would we leave here knowing how loved we are? And may that love overflow into the, into the areas that you have us in. Let it overflow into our schools. Let it overflow into our workplaces. Let it overflow into our neighborhoods. Let it overflow into our communities, in our restaurants, in our grocery stores. Everywhere, God. And I pray for your blessing to be upon it. That this would actually be a catalyst to grow your church deeper, closer, and wider. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.